On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Hertz surprisingly adds Tesla's most popular vehicle to its EV rental fleet. That would be the Model Y. Plus, Tesla AI director Andre Carpathy goes on sabbatical. Pirelli introduces a new EV tire for Tesla owners and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey here for episode 348 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for April 3rd, 2022. Daisy the Boxer curled up and having a little snooze there to my left, and I am feeling good. I am happy to be back here with you for another episode. After I recorded last week, uh, I took my wife on a little uh, 10th anniversary quick trip to New York City to see the Book of Mormon on Broadway which uh, we'd both been wanting to see forever. The couple of times it had come through San Francisco, it had just sold out instantaneously. I booked this a while ago, and uh, it all worked out. And I have to say, if, if, if you're a fan of Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the creators of South Park, so if you like South Park or any of their other stuff, Team America, what have you, uh, the, the play was hilarious. The Book of Mormon play was absolutely hilarious. And I will say, while I was in New York City, I saw a couple of the Revel Model Y rideshare cars running around, too. I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head how many are running around Manhattan, but I did see more than one, which was a pleasant surprise. I didn't get to ride in one, but it was still good to see them. And hey, before I get going with this week's Tesla news, I have a quick update to a story that I talked about last week. And that is in regards to adding the $12,000 full self-driving package to your order in order to shorten your estimated delivery window. Tesla has now changed the policy so that adding that $12,000 package will no longer accelerate your delivery estimate on any of the four Teslas you might want to order. As I said last week, I both understood it from Tesla's side of, of having that be the case for the time that it was, but I also recognized how awful it is for customers trying to get a car that's already had multiple price increases this year. And again, that applies to all four Teslas. So whichever one you're after, the price has gone up. So ultimately, I think Tesla absolutely made the right decision here. Full self-driving should not be a $12,000 Disney fast pass way to skip the line. Particularly, uh, I might add, since Tesla offers now the monthly FSD subscription option that many people might want instead. I mean, those people should not be penalized for not buying FSD the quote-unquote correct way. I mean, it's not that it is the correct way, but again, like, you shouldn't be penalized for purchasing FSD in one version, one fashion versus another. So glad to see Tesla make that move. Uh, speaking of making moves, Andre Carpathy, the director of AI at Tesla, has made a temporary move out of the building. He is now on a four-month sabbatical. It was announced in a bit of a strange way with Elon Musk responding to a tweet that asked, why is downtown Toronto geofenced off for the FSD beta, which, as you can probably infer from the context there, rolled out to Canada this past week? And Elon did respond to this tweet by saying, quote, 
Toronto streetcars are not yet handled well by FSD. By the way, Andre Carpathy is on an about a four month sabbatical. He used the little, you know, squiggly mark four. So about four months sabbatical. And Andre himself followed that up by posting on his account, taking some time off to rest and travel after almost five years at Tesla. Especially excited to get focused time to resharpen my technical edge and train some neural nets. Though I already miss all the robots and GPU slash dojo clusters and looking forward to having them at my fingertips again. Well, first of all, uh, I don't blame Elon for just throwing it out there like that. And, you know, I mean, if Tesla had a proper PR and communications department, they could have issued a press release about it just to head off any speculation when it would have inevitably been discovered some way, somehow that their head of AI had gone on sabbatical. But I think that's really what Elon was up to there with that tweet. I think he was just trying to get out ahead of it before the Fudsters could grab hold of it and say, oh, Tesla's AI efforts must be failing because the head of AI is left. Cause you know, they would instantly turn a sabbatical into he's leaving forever. But second of all on this, uh, I have no doubt that this sabbatical is extraordinarily well-deserved. I mean, nearly five years of going hard in the paint on this gigantic, never before solved in human history problem has probably come at the cost of a lot of Andre's evenings. And by the way, not just Andre, the, the whole team there, the whole autopilot AI team, but a lot of his evenings, a lot of his weekends, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and just pure mental energy. Now, I have previously guessed, purely guessed, obviously, I'm basing it on nothing, but I have guessed that Andre might be Tesla's highest paid employee on a pure salary basis, since Elon's compensation package is almost entirely stock-based, we know that. And I have theorized that, given the magnitude of and importance of the project that he is heading up. I mean, remember, Andre, he's not the head of autopilot. He's the head of all AI at Tesla. So that means that his work now also encompasses not just autopilot, but the Tesla bot, AKA Optimus, as Elon seems to now have taken to calling it. I mean, it's a huge job. He is, in a, he is an extraordinarily talented person, uh, uniquely talented in, a, in an extremely crucial role for the company. And, you know, I, I would imagine that there's never a great time for your head of AI to take a four-month sabbatical from the company, but I wonder if the timing of this is indicative of anything. I mean, this is, you know, I'm just going to kind of think out loud here. I don't want it to seem like I'm putting a tinfoil hat on, but my gut reaction is that, well, probably nothing major is going to happen while Andre is gone. Now, will version 11 of FSD with the merging of the highway and full self-driving city streets stacks, is that going to happen while he's out? Were those pieces already in place? Or is version 11 now at least several more months away? I mean, remember that it's now April and Elon had originally suggested that version 11 would arrive in February. Now that's, you know, Elon time, that's nothing new, but we don't know. We don't know how close or how far version 11 is at this point. 
I will say that my quote-unquote fear, if you want to call it that, as somebody who has paid for FSD and is fortunate enough to now be in the FSD beta, is, and again, I know it's going to sound tinfoil hat-ish, but there is a little fear in the back of my head that he might never come back. I know he's said he's coming back, he's excited to come back, but the reason that I say that is because uh, I have never been on sabbatical myself, but in my 20 years of working in video game media and specifically covering Microsoft that entire time, uh, side note, I am in utter shock that my career turns 20 this fall. It just <laughs> it makes me feel so old. But anyway, uh, in my 20 years of covering Microsoft, I have seen many a longtime Microsoft employee take a sabbatical. And in my observation, they often don't come back. And now you got to look at the full picture. Those folks who don't come back can afford not to because they've been at Microsoft, a, a tech company with a you know good compensation package, salary, benefits, stock probably. They've been at the company for a long time. They have to be in order to have gotten the sabbatical in the first place. They're certainly making a good salary and they... Uh, again, certainly have a strong compensation package that has matured and vested since they joined. So those folks can literally afford to, to not come back. And I would imagine that even after just five years, Andre Carpathy is probably in the same boat. Now, whether or not he's the highest paid person at Tesla, as I have idly speculated, is somewhat moot when it comes to this particular question since it's only been five years, right? Even if he's extraordinarily well paid, five years is not 10, is not 15, is not 20 in terms of wanting to just walk away forever into the sunset and retire. Now, I am sure, though I don't, no, 99% sure, as sure as I can be without hearing it from him directly, that he's got a heaping helping of Tesla stock, which has gone to the moon over these past five years since he joined the company. So that's what I'm talking about when I say there's just there is a little there is a little fear in the back of my head that maybe he won't come back. But in short, I certainly hope he comes back again. He says he's coming back. So there's no reason not to take him at his word. But if he doesn't, I won't necessarily be completely surprised. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. Um, although, you know, now that I think about it, just uh, about my own career, too. My 10-year anniversary at IGN is next month. Wow. So that's the 10 at IGN, 20 overall. Can I get a four-month sabbatical? That sounds pretty good. I've been at the company for 10 years. Because uh, I'll tell you, if I, had a, if I had a sabbatical, here's what I would do with it. Or here's what I want to do with it. I would love to write a book on the development of the new Roadster. With the SpaceX package that we still haven't seen yet, and the fact that this car has seemingly kind of been in mothballs for a while, and the whole story of how it was surprise revealed at the at the semi event, and and do a book that goes all the way up to it actually launching, and hopefully, as as Elon has said, break every performance record for a production car that there's ever been. So that's like my little dream of what I would do if I had a sabbatical. But anyway. That's uh, let's talk about Tesla, not about me. The next story I have for you this week is that tire maker Pirelli, who currently does provide the tires for the Performance Model 3s, and I believe the Performance Model Y 
as well. But definitely the performance threes. Uh, Pirelli has announced that the North American market will get uh, the company's first ever replacement tire specifically designed for electric vehicles, the Pirelli P0 All-Season Plus with Elect Marking. This story comes via Teslarati. That's where I spotted it. And Teslarati writes, The Elect Marking on Pirelli's tires indicates several distinct advantages. First, the tire has a low rolling resistance, which increases driving range and reduces energy consumption, making stops at electric vehicle chargers less frequent. When coupled with a high-range vehicle like the Lucid Air Dream or Model S uh, all-wheel drive, the Pirelli Elect series decreases road contact, making the vehicles more efficient. When non-Elect P0 All-Season Plus tires have been fitted on uh, vehicles, the Pirelli product has shown a reduction of rolling resistance by 15%, translating to direct improvement of, of course, your range. It features the company's Pirelli noise canceling system as well. Pirelli developed this technology to reduce interior noise thanks to a sound absorbing material applied to the inside of the circumferential wall, uh, which is probably exactly like the same foam foam insulation that we have in all of our tires now, whether you've got the 18, 19, 20 inch tire on a Model 3 or any of the any of the Tesla tires, all of them have that as well. So good to see companies like Pirelli doing that with their EV specific tire. Uh, Pirelli notes that it offers improved driving comfort and that the tires with that noise canceling system have shown a 5% reduction in cabin noise versus the leading OEM competitor. Although, I mean, not to get cynical, but 5% is not that much. I don't know if you can really, can you even really tell that with your ear? Like you can quantify it with a decibel reading, but can you really tell with your ear? In any case though, uh, the new P0 All Season Plus Elect will fit some of the most popular EV performance models uh, and be available from 18 to 20 inches in size, which uh, again, hopefully means the at least the entire Model 3 line will be covered. Hopefully the 19 and the 20 on the Model Y, if not seemingly not the 21, not the performance Model Y. And uh, I don't know about the, you know, the 19 inch Model S uh, or the 20 inch Model X. So that remains to be seen because, and I say that I I did try to do my research uh, for this segment for the show here. I went and tried to price these out so that I could, I can at least offer you not just the news that they're coming, but also some context of how much they're going to cost and what their treadwear rating is compared to other tire options that we have. But these tires are not only not yet on Tire Rack's website, they're not even on Pirelli's own website as of yet. Now, I did find the non-elect version of these, basically the, you know, these tires but not the low rolling resistance EV specific version. And they were $200 a piece on Tire Rack for the 18-inch version. And I just chose that arbitrarily because I figured probably the plurality of Tesla owners that are listening to me right now have a Model 3 with 18-inch with wheels. So that's the one I thought I would use for reference. Uh, I would expect if the non-elect Pirellis for the Model 3 18-inch are 200 a tire, the elects are probably going to be a bit more expensive. The question is how much more expensive and how much relative to how much longer they would last and what their efficiency gains would be. That's 
that's the scale that you'll have to kind of weigh back and forth once we get uh, pricing and, and full details on these. But the point is I did want to mention this this week because it is great to have more EV-specific tire options. You know, we, thankfully, none of the four Teslas are lacking in tire options. You know, you can replace, when you're OEM tires, this, the tires that came on your car from the factory, when they're ready to be changed, you have plenty of options, regardless of which Tesla you have and which wheel size you have. But the really, the overwhelming majority, most if not all of your choices are gonna be non-EV tires. They're gonna be just regular tires, and thus, you know, your efficiency might take a little bit of a hit. You know, there are other factors in play. So I am really happy to see more EV-specific tire options from major tire manufacturers here. Next up this week, Hertz is adding Model Ys to its rental fleet in addition to the Model 3s. One more tip of the cap to Tesla Roddy, since they uh, went out and actually confirmed this report that was going around online, and Tesla Roddy notes in their write-up that Hertz Global Holdings confirmed to Tesla Roddy that its order for 100,000 Tesla vehicles late last year included Model Y builds, not just Model 3s as reported initially. Hertz formally added the Model Y to its rentable line of electric vehicles this past week. While customers can click a book button on Hertz's website, the Model Y is not currently available for rental through Hertz. The company told Teslarati, quote, the Model Ys will be available for rent in late April in select markets where EVs are available, end quote. Currently, Model 3s are available at various airports across the country, including Washington, Dulles, Florida's Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and Orlando International Airports, and LAX, as well as San Francisco International Airport, Georgia's Atlanta Hartsfield, and uh, that's the end of the list for now. Hertz then told Teslarati the Model Ys were included in the original order for 100,000 vehicles, which was not wholly comprised of Model 3 sedans. Quote, these are part of the original order, not incremental, a Hertz spokesperson told Teslarati. Well, uh, this is great news as well. This is really, really great to see. The reason is that the Model Y is probably going to be a lot more appealing than the three to families of four or five who are traveling, who are on vacation, given the extra cargo room for that family's luggage. The Model Y is going to make a lot more sense for a lot of people for that rental rather than a Model 3. I mean, the 3 has plenty of storage space, but the Model Y has a heck of a lot more. Although what's weird about this to me is just the math. And that is because the deal was announced as $4.2 billion for 100,000 Teslas. And again, the math at the time of that order, as you probably recall, worked out perfectly for 100,000 base Model 3s because at that time, the base Model 3 was $42,000. So the math worked out great. So I'm not sure how they're getting the Model Y in the mix as well and still paying $4.2 billion for the whole order and not getting a discount because that, that was the indication from Elon and from Hertz that there was no discount being given here. But hey, it's not my money. And the point is, it's good news, not just for those of you listening, 
that want to travel and want to have a, a Tesla while you're on your trip, and that you now have the option of, uh, in, you know, and in, in time you will have the option of the Y as it starts to make its way around to various Hertz locations. But I think this is also really good news for for Hertz, but also just for the EV movement. And I know that sounds like kind of a grandiose statement for this in the context of this, but there are going to be a lot of EV curious folks out there. And I think the why is going to, again, be more enticing to some folks that are traveling to rent and, and rent the car who might not have gone for the three on their trip because of the three's slightly smaller size and smaller cargo capacity than the Y. So I just think this is a good thing no matter who you are. It's a good thing for Hertz. It's a good thing for Tesla owners who want to rent a Tesla while they're on a trip. And it's a good thing for non-Tesla owners who want to give a Tesla a try uh, to have this option available to them as well. So great stuff there. Next up, if you have noticed the Tesla stock price going back up lately, should you be a person that pays attention to such things, I suspect there are two primary reasons for that over the past week or so, week or two. The first is the official opening of Giga Berlin. I mean, that's, that is a big deal. Whether if you're an investor, if you're, it doesn't really matter uh, what your angle is on the company, that is a big deal, period. And I talked all about that last week. But the second reason that I suspect the price, the, the share price has gone uh, all the way, almost all the way back up to where it had been uh, after initially surging last year was that the news from Tesla we got this week, who tweeted from the official Tesla company account saying, Tesla will ask shareholders to vote at this year's annual meeting to authorize additional shares in order to enable a stock split. I know a lot of people have been hoping for a stock split for a while. Well, here we go. This will be on the ballot for the annual shareholders meeting, which we don't know officially when it will be. I mean, Tesla's not, uh, they have not announced a date yet, but it's likely, I think, to occur in June, which is when it always used to, and specifically early June, because things have now more or less gotten back to normal uh, in the, you know, as the pandemic uh, has I mean, it's officially still going, but but things have, have been going more and more back to quote unquote normal there. So I suspect the uh, the annual shareholders meeting probably will take place in June. Now, I have said before, and I'll say it again, I am not an expert on the stock market, on the investing side of things when it comes to Tesla. I know the company back to front. I know the products back to front. I know the history back to front. The stock market and investing side is is not uh, something that I'm quite as strong in, but I would I would bet lunch here that this is going to get o- approved by an overwhelming majority of shareholders who vote on this at the annual shareholders meeting because it means more shares of this once in a lifetime unicorn stock that has made a lot of people a lot of money, and I'd also add. Not that past performance is necessarily a predictor of future performance, but it does bear mentioning that the first time Tesla's stock was split five ways, it went on an absolute rocket ride into the stratosphere afterwards. It just created a ton of big momentum for the stock. So 
Those are the reasons why I believe this will easily be approved at the annual shareholders meeting. And so assuming that voters do approve it, the big question that remains is how many ways will it split? Is it going to be four? Is it going to be five? I mean, if it stays around the $1,100 mark per share that it's at now, now, I mean, that's it. I don't know if it's going to stay there in two more months from now. It could, it could go a good bit up. It could go back down. We don't know, but but let's just, for the sake of argument, if it's around the $1,100 mark it's at now, another five-way split, I think, could make sense, which is, again, what they did last time. I have to say, I'm not sure it would go more than a five-to-one split. That would that might seem like a little much. Maybe four? I could see four. Again, I don't pretend to be an expert in this, so I'm really just kind of looking at the past for an idea of what might happen. But this is exciting stuff for individual investors, which would be probably most of us that are listening to this, because it'll give more people a chance to buy shares of the company since those shares are going to be at a lower price. I mean, 1100 bucks a share as it is now, that's, you know, that's a high barrier to entry if you want to just get in and get some shares. It's that's a pretty, you know, that's a good size commitment that you've got to make, but if it's suddenly around, you know, 200, 250 a share, well, then you might be able to grab yourself three, four, five shares, you know, for a thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks, and suddenly, yeah, you've got some shares in the company, and that's that's uh, something that you might uh, just believe in and feel good about, and and you know, help build a a portfolio, you know, whether it's a short short term portfolio or a longer term retirement kind of portfolio. So, uh, we'll find out about that in about two months. And the final story I have for you this week is, uh, unfortunately, I'm ending on a bit of bad news, and this is specific to my California listeners. I know there are many of you. The Model 3 and Model Y are, are, have now joined the S and the X as being no longer eligible for California's $2,000 clean vehicle rebate. Saw the story on Forbes via the Tesla Motors Reddit. And Forbes says the state's clean vehicle rebate project just updated its list of battery-powered vehicles that qualify for direct rebates of up to $2,000, which previously included base versions of Tesla's Model 3 sedan and Model Y hatchback, the top-selling EVs in California. But rebates are only available for cars priced up to $45,000 and crossovers that cost no more than $60,000. The program said that due to price hikes that took effect March 15th, quote, any Tesla Model 3 or Model Y that was ordered on or after March 16th, 2022 is not eligible for a clean vehicle rebate, the project rebate there. So uh, that is, you know, I get it. I get it on the one hand, I have to say, I mean, These rebates are designed to help get electric vehicles into the hands of people for whom those rebates will make a substantial difference towards getting the vehicle or versus not getting the vehicle. So, and you know, you've got to draw the line somewhere, right? You've got to draw the line somewhere on the the MSRPs of the cars. On the other hand, those cars, all the other cars that, that are eligible, they're all seeing price increases too. 
you know, you you all know how crazy the car, the new car market is, and the used car for that matter. But the new car market is, as it pertains to this discussion, it's it's nuts out there for everybody. I mean, the difference is that the price increase on the on other vehicles is just going straight into the dealer's pockets rather than the manufacturer's pocket, which is which is obviously the case with Tesla, that where there are no dealers, customers still have to foot the bill on the price increase. I mean, I'll give you an example here. This is actually a relevant uh, current example. A coworker friend of mine was cross-shopping the base Model 3 and the Hyundai Ioniq 5. And he has desi- uh, he and his wife have decided to go with the Ioniq. And this $2,000 difference now is only going to reinforce his decision. But he has not purchased the car yet because the five LA area dealerships that he has checked with, that he was telling me about, he told me that the dealer markups ranged from $3,000 to $20,000. With most of those, so like, you know, three of the five, there was kind of a low end, high end, but the, the middle ones were between five and $10,000 on a dealer markup. And I think it would only be fair if the program accounted for that somehow. I know it's a complicated situation, uh, but I think it's not fair that a Tesla buyer and, and Tesla themselves gets penalized for selling direct to consumers, which is, I mean, that that is a sales method that customers seem to prefer. Hence why dealerships across the country have spent a fortune on lobbying efforts to stop direct to customer sales with regard to cars, as you've heard me talk about countless times in many different states across the the USA at this point. And the other brands can just stick it to customers at the dealership level and still qualify for the credit. I mean, I'm not sure what the solution is. To be clear, I don't want to see the rebate taken away from customers who buy other brands. I'm not looking for that. I don't want to, just because it's like if, you know, if, if my... If I can't have the the toy, nobody can have it. I'm not saying that. I want more people to get it. Uh, But I do want to see Tesla customers treated the same as buyers of other car brands. I mean, I think the most practical solution that comes to mind as I'm just kind of talking through this here is maybe the California should just raise the cap on this rebate. And I know that seems like, well, that's like a lazy solution, and maybe contrary to the intention of the program, except what I would very politely and respectfully say is the rising cost, again, across the entire car industry probably necessitate an, an adjustment to the, to the limits on this program because the average new car price has gone up and up over the last few years. It has continued to go up and, and these, you know, the materials situation, the chip situation, all this stuff is playing into the higher pricing of these new cars. So I hope the state of California will take a look at this and maybe raise it up to 47, which would and on the on the sedan side, the car side, which would at least get the base model three back in by a hair. And, you know, maybe raise it up to 63, which would get the Model Y back in uh, and still get all those other vehicles, which are again. They are costing customers more at the dealer, just not on the MSRP, not on the window, 
you know, the MSRP line on the window sticker. So tough spot, uh, but unfortunately for now, Tesla is no longer eligible in any capacity for the California Clean Vehicle Rebate Project Award. That is everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news for this week. But stick with me. I've got plenty of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls queued up and ready to go right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be a part of the podcast with your Tesla-related questions, comments, and discussion topics. If you would like to participate, and I would love for you to do so, give me a call. The two ways to do that are either using your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number that's available for you anytime, 24-7, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Plenty of excellent calls from you guys lined up this week. Let's kick it off with Marty from Seattle. Hey, Ryan, this is Marty from Seattle. Uh, Great podcast, by the way. Question for you that might not pertain to everybody, but I've got uh, a a month-old Model Y, and I have full self-driving capability, but obviously I haven't gotten the beta self-driving yet and you talk about the versions of the beta full self-driving but i'm wondering if there are versions of full self-driving otherwise it doesn't show any so i'm assuming maybe it's just a a full self-driving until you get the beta everybody's the same i don't know but when i get updates nothing seems to update on that just a question for uh, those of us that are kind of waiting on the beta thanks for all you do marty congratulations on your new model y and thank you for calling in Uh, Looking at this from a new owner's perspective, I can see how the way that I talk about this might be a little confusing, so I do apologize for not speaking more clearly. So the production version of the software, which is what's in your car, definitely has its own version number, and it definitely evolves. I mean, you can see the version number if you go into your main car menu, access from that lower left-hand corner of your car's center screen, and then go into software you'll see the version number listed. And FSD definitely does get evolved and iterated on in the production version, but admittedly that iteration is much slower than the FSD beta builds just by virtue of the fact that the production build is more stable and fully with a fully functional suite of features, whereas the City Streets FSD beta that is rapidly evolving now is still very much a work in progress and therefore just needs to have builds pushed out more often to try and get it to that more stable, functional place. So I hope that helps clarify it a bit for you, Marty. Thanks again for calling in. Next up is our friend, the real-life Tiny. 
Ryan, my brother, it's your old friend, the real life tiny, just calling in with some great news and a question. The great news is I'm about to join the Tesla owner family. I reserved a Model 3 long range, and I actually made my reservation literally the day before the price increases started happening, the most recent price increases, that is. And I count myself to be extremely lucky because I haven't even taken delivery of my Tesla, and it's already increasing in value. I also... Notice that when you say that the waiting is the worst part, you have an excellent point. I'm doing that thing where I check my account every single day to see if I've been assigned a VIN. Right now, my delivery window is May 27th through July 3rd, I think. And so I am really, really on edge just waiting. Uh, extremely excited about that. And I had to gush to somebody because my family's tired of hearing me gush about Tesla every single day. <laughs> um, also, I saw that DeLorean is re- relaunching, releasing the vehicle, and that it's going to be an EV. And I had a question for you. I wanted to know, being the dean of DeLorean as you are, what do you think the odds are that DeLorean will start licensing powertrains and batteries from Tesla? Because if you're going to relaunch DeLorean, the DeLorean, might as well do it with the best powertrain and batteries in existence, right? What do you think they're going to do with that? Do you think that's a possibility or you think they'll go a completely different direction? Anyway, just wanted to call in, give the good news and uh, see, get your thoughts on DeLorean. We'll see you later, Ryan. Thank you, buddy. Tiny, you have called in many times and written to me here and there over the years, and so I know how long you've waited for this and how happy you are. I am genuinely thrilled for you. I'm glad you snuck in right before that most recent price increase as well. That's a bonus. You saved yourself a few thousand dollars. Hang in there. Your car will be here before you know it. I know it won't feel like that, but in the grand scheme of things, it will be here before you know it, that that waiting, as you said, it really is the hardest part. I say a lot. I say it a lot because I've been through it and I've seen other people experience it as well. Now, as for the new DeLorean, just to take a quick aside, I guess uh, this is a Tesla show, but I uh, have a lot of thoughts on the new DeLorean, and as you'd expect, I'm keeping a very close eye on it. And just recently, there was a new interview with the CEO of DMC who did confirm that they will not be getting their motors or batteries from Tesla. Now, that's too bad because a Model 3 performance drivetrain in a smaller, lighter, two-door sports coupe body would have been really great. I mean, that would have been awesome. You know, 0 to 60 in probably the high twos or three flat with, with good range, you know, roughly 300 miles of range. That would have been fantastic. Uh, if I'm being honest, though, I can't say I'm surprised that that Tesla will not be providing the, any any components to DMC for this car, because Tesla can barely supply enough materials for their own cars at this point in time, because the demand, as we know, is just so darn strong, and and thus there's really no realistic way that Tesla was going to go into business supplying anybody else, particularly a small boutique car maker like DMC. I'm still excited about the new DeLorean, and I agree with you that Tesla and DMC would have been a match made in heaven, at least for me, you know, (laughs) given my background. Uh, But we will see what DMC does. Thank you, Tiny. Next up, Ryan from Melbourne, Australia. G'day, Ryan. Also, Ryan here calling all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a new time listener and absolutely loving the podcast, all of your insights. 
I actually run my own Tesla YouTube channel called Ryan's Model 3 and I have a Tesla TikTok as well by the same name. So if any of your listeners want to check out my content, that would be greatly appreciated. But my question for today, you mentioned last week that with Tesla's rapid expansion, many more continents will be in the running for their very own Gigafactory. But that you don't believe Tesla is ever likely to build a factory in Australia. And I think when you said that, my jaw dropped ever so slightly because in my mind, I guess I've always thought Australia would be a great candidate for a gigafactory given that Tesla buys so many of its raw materials from here. So I'm very curious as to why you believe this to be the case. And also, if you can point me in the direction of some of those older episodes you mentioned where you have discussed this further, that would be awesome. It is worth mentioning that here in Australia, we do have a luxury car tax, which basically means all imported cars above $80,000 are taxed an extra 33%, which makes buying a Model S or a Model X that much more challenging. And as we no longer have any of our own car manufacturers, it would be so good to have Tesla arrive here on our shores. Anyway, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for everything you do and keep up the great work. Always good to hear from a fellow Ryan. So Ryan, welcome to the podcast and thank you for calling in. You know, I figured at least one of my wonderful Australian listeners would call me out for that off-the-cuff comment that I made, and I don't blame you for doing so, uh, you know, and I know you're doing it in a, in a friendly way, and I will say, I didn't mean it to be dismissive towards Australia. I hope it did not come across that way. And you make a great point, by the way, about Australia being rich in raw materials, so I have little doubt that Tesla is going to enter into a number of business arrangements with Australia. What I meant by my comment was how Elon has talked about putting factories close to where the majority of their customers are. And Australia, being a country with a relatively low density population, or low, low population density, I should say, probably would not make a lot of sense for a gigafactory, in my opinion, given that I'm not sure that there is enough population density to support a gigafactory that would be making hundreds of thousands of cars per year. And you could say, well, okay, well, they might not all be for Australia, but as you well know, shipping. I mean, if you were going to export from Australia, the shipping cost to practically anywhere else would be pretty substantial given the island status of Australia. So that's what I meant by my comment. You might disagree with me, but that's where I was coming from on it. Thanks again, Ryan. Next up is Connor from St. Louis. Hey, Ryan, this is Connor from St. Louis, Missouri. First, wanted to say that I've enjoyed your work both on this podcast and on IGN for a long time. I listen to Unlocked every week and have been enjoying the Next Gen podcast for the past two years or so as well. My question is about Tesla's rising prices. In the current economic environment we are currently in, we've had multiple price increases over the past few years, which you've talked about time and time again on your podcast, which I really appreciate, especially on the more affordable three and why. Now with the Cybertruck set to launch, hopefully within the next year, we are set to maybe see one of Tesla's best value propositions finally realize with that truck. The initial pricing on the Cybertruck was very competitive, almost beating Tesla's other vehicles at that time. I'm curious if the Cybertruck comes in with a starting price maybe around sixty to $70,000 for the dual motor variant. 
Do you think that will put pressure on Tesla to lower the prices on the three and the Y so that way the Cybertruck doesn't post those sales? Most likely the people in the market for a Model 3 and Model Y aren't the same people who are in the market for a Cybertruck, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Thanks, and I appreciate all the work and effort you put into this podcast. Have a great day. Connor, I appreciate the call. This is an excellent question and a fair one. First of all, as I've said before, I am right with you in thinking that the dual motor Cybertruck is going to start in that sixty dollars to $70,000 range after all of these you know, materials, costs, price increases, and that the dual motor version probably is going to be the base version and that there will not be a single motor version of the Cybertruck. As to whether or not the Cybertruck will put pressure on the 3 and the Y to lower prices, I gotta say, I don't think so. I hope you're right. Believe me, I hope you're right, and I hope that's exactly what happens. But they're just such different classes of vehicles that I don't believe that the typical Cybertruck buyer is by and large going to be the same person that is shopping for a 3 or a Y. I just don't see those vehicles being cross-shopped against each other. And the reason that I'm doubtful that the Cybertruck is going to push Model 3 and Model Y prices down is because Tesla's demand is so insane right now that there's just no reason for Tesla to lower prices. They're going to sell every, I know that sounds like a total like cynical corporate thing to say, but that's just, if we're looking at the market, that's the case, right? They're going to sell every three, every Y, every Cybertruck that they can make for at least the next few years. It's just a wild, wild marketplace out there. Although that said, I can't wait to see the Cybertruck enter it. It's going to be fun. Hopefully we're, you know, no more than a year out at this point. Next is Andrew in Orlando, a multi-time Tesla owner with some words about the full self-driving beta. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, Ryan, this is Andrew in Orlando, Florida. Hope you're doing well. So I just took delivery of my third Tesla, a beautiful 2022 Model S long range in deep blue metallic on cream. The one that's uh, been tagging you on Instagram, posting some pictures of it. I've got that really beautiful prismatic PPF that does the color shift. But I've got an issue with my car, not with the paint or the PPF. So my last car that I just traded in on this Model S was a Model Y long range that I bought a year ago. And I had FSD beta on it since the end of October. I've just bought FSD with my new car for that $10,000 that I paid for it. I've had FSD for all three of my Teslas. I repeatedly emailed Tesla FSD beta team. I've talked to my delivery advisor, the manager of my local uh, Tesla dealer or Tesla center rather. Uh, I have talked to the president of our Tesla club here in Florida. Everyone has gone back to bat for me trying to get my FSD beta access transferred to my new Model S. You know, it's ridiculous. I'm giving Tesla a huge amount of money here, upgrading my car, high margin car, and they have, they've been silent with me. They've not answered my emails. They've told my, our president of our Tesla Florida Club effectively to go, you know what, himself about this. And then I have to re-enroll in the program and wait until they accept more people. This is absolutely unacceptable to me. I've spent a couple hundred thousand dollars with Tesla, three vehicles, Tesla Solar, two power walls. I promoted them, gotten so many cars sold for them through friends and referrals. And this is how they treat their owners that spend more money with them. I am so pissed, Ryan. Can you give me any advice? Is there anyone I can talk to? Can you please tweet to Elon for me? He doesn't listen to low people like me. I'm so angry. Thank you, Ryan. Andrew, I wish I had a good solution for you. I really do. 
I don't think you're asking for any kind of preferential treatment in wanting the full self-driving beta that you'd already been enrolled in to be transferred to your new car that you paid for full self-driving on. I mean, we know that Tesla doesn't do full self-driving software package transfers, though I and many others don't agree with that policy either. But in this case, you know, you've got the FSD beta team that manages that email alias and the program, and it would be trivial for them to remove it from the Model Y that you traded in to the new Model S that you took delivery of. I, I, I mean, I would politely try, and emphasis on, I know you will be polite, but politely try emailing that FSD beta team again with that email alias. But I wouldn't use the word transfer in your email since that term probably sets off alarm bells in their heads, either consciously or unconsciously, right? Since that's been such a hot topic in the community. I would tell them that you know that Tesla isn't taking any new FSD beta applicants right now, although, again, that's as of April 1st, as I'm recording this. Uh, the floodgates could open at any time. I hope they will, but um, but at the story I told you earlier, what, last week? Last week about Elon considering lowering the entry bar to a 95 safety score if the current version that's out there goes well. But I would just tell them that you traded in your car and you're looking to have it turned off in that car and turned on in your new one, you know, because you're already in the FSD beta program. And you never know if it's worded clearly and politely and maybe a different person reads your email this time. It could happen. You kind of have nothing to lose, right? Good luck to you, Andrew. Next up, here's Ethan responding to John, a caller from eh, two, maybe three shows ago at the most. John had called in uh, wanting to be able to temporarily disable easy entry when he has passengers uh, behind him in the, you know, the rear seat behind the driver. Go ahead, Ethan. Hey, Ryan. Ethan here from Protest, the YouTube channel. I just was calling in response to last week's caller, John, about the easy self-entry and how... Um, it would squish passengers in the back. In the old software, um, version 10, I believe, it was it was easier to stop this because it would pop up a big stop button whenever the seat was moving automatically. But with version 11 here, uh, it's not really possible. I have one pro tip for this, though. If your seat is moving, you don't want it to. Either, for me, it's always squishing, putting me in my wife's profile and squishing me to the steering wheel. Or... When I, like they said, when you have an extra passenger in the back and you don't want to squish them, what you can do is just push any of the three buttons that change the seat settings while it's moving, and that'll automatically stop it and keep it from doing any unwanted procedures. But here's hoping that Tesla hears this and will add back in that stop button in future updates. Thanks for all you do. Ethan, thank you very much for that workaround. Really do appreciate that. Until Tesla gives us a more official solution, this is a really great hack for it that will get the job done for John and for others that might want to utilize this as well. So again, I appreciate your call. Excellent stuff there. One more call for this week. It's going to come from Will from Ancaster. I haven't heard from him in a bit, so go ahead, Will, responding to Gil from San Diego about the lack, mysterious lack of karaoke in the new Model S. Go ahead, Will. Hey, Ryan, it's Will from Ancaster, uh, just driving home from the cottage, listening to your podcast, and I heard Gil's call about the uh, um, 
the karaoke in the Model S, and so I started rooting through my uh, my menu system, and uh, it's not just him. Um, mine doesn't have it either. I know for a fact that the new performance Y does that we just got a month before this one, but uh, yeah, apparently they've done away with it in the Model S, unless it's buried somewhere else that I'm unable to find it. So uh, anyway, hopefully that uh, helps clear it up that it's not just guilt. Thanks for everything you do. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Will. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Why the heck would it disappear in the new S? I cannot, for the life of me, think of a good reason. Is it somehow an oversight? But don't all the cars share common features, meaning someone would have had to intentionally remove it from the new S? Maybe that's not how it works. I'm not a software engineer, but I am baffled by this one, I have to say. I know that's not helpful to you or to Gil or to any of the other new Model S owners, but... It's all I've got. You know, at least I can put it out into the world via this podcast, and maybe Tesla will be able to do something about it. Thanks, Will. Thanks to everybody that took the time to call in. I will have more phone calls from all of you guys next week, so please keep them coming. Give me a call anytime. I gave you the two call-in methods and instructions for that at the top of this segment. So with that, let me take one more quick break, and then I will come back with your pro tip of the week and a bit more podcast right after this. I almost didn't even notice I passed 40,000 miles on my car this past week, and it doesn't even feel like it's been that much even, which is a good sign. Like, oh, it's it's 40,000. It feels more like... 30 or 25 just because it's just so easy to just get in the car and drive that it's oh it's actually more than more than i thought which is great uh man what a fun car this has been i guess i've still got a few more months of warranty i'm gonna hit the time before i hit the mileage on on the car's warranty i still wish i could buy an extended warranty i wish tesla would sell me that uh, because i do plan to keep the car for quite a few years but oh well uh hey how about a quick entertainment recommendation one more that's for adults only, but it's really good so far. It's it's a weekly show, so the first, I think, four episodes are out so far. The show is Winning Time on HBO Max. It is a sort of dramatized, you know, based on reality, but with some stuff changed for entertainment's sake, which they're upfront about on a little splash screen. But uh, it's, it's about the Showtime-era Lakers of the 80s, and I've been... I'm a basketball fan. I enjoy basketball. I've been having a really good time watching that show so far. So if you, too, enjoy hoops, check out Winning Time on HBO Max. Hey, how about a pro tip of the week? Here's one from Travis. Thanks to Travis's dad, Adam, for uh, getting Travis on the phone here for a pro tip of the week. Hi, Ryan and Daisy. This is Travis from Indianapolis. My dad said I could call. We have a pro tip for you. We have a Model 3. I was disappointed when Tesla took off Skyforce to play while driving. I also like 2048, but can never play while driving. I found a workaround for some of these games. For example, to play 2048, open up the browser and go to play2048.co. I think the Tesla community could create a list of games for passengers to play in the favorites. I also like to go to calculator.com since 
Tesla doesn't have a calculator app yet. Let's keep this between you and me so NHTSA doesn't force Tesla to block this functionality. I love your podcast. Thanks for your hard work. I'm glad to hear Daisy is getting better. Travis, thank you for calling in. I agree. We will need to keep this one between us. I mean, in all seriousness, though, the driver should never be playing a game while driving. I do agree with the NHTSA about that, but I'm perfectly okay with passengers playing. So there should be a way for that to happen. I mean, whether maybe it's using the the cabin facing camera to make sure that the driver's eyes, I mean, we're, they're already doing that. They're making sure your eyes stay on the road. So I don't know. I, I do. I'm totally on board with passengers playing games on the car screen. But uh, anyway, Travis, thank you for that workaround. And hey, keep working on that 2048 score, my friend. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, send it my way. You can do so the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. All right, before I hit the road, let me first mention some friends of the podcast. Let me start with the Snap Plate. You want to grab one for any of the four Teslas, S, 3, X, or Y. You can get it at everyamp.com slash RTL. This is the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds, but it, when it goes on, it goes on securely. It doesn't mess with the paint, doesn't you know get in the way of your grill, uh, it doesn't mess with your radiator, it doesn't mess with autopilot. It's a nice, clean, minimalist design. It really blends nicely with the front end when it's installed, and it leaves no unsightly hardware behind when you remove it. So, you know, it's, it's the way to make fix-it tickets go away. For those of you like me who are not fans of having to put a front license plate on the car. So again, get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com has got just rows and rows, aisles and aisles, virtual aisles that is, of all kinds of Tesla accessories. And you should check them out at abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order when you get to checkout. That's when you put in that RTL podcast coupon code. Again, lighting kits, screen protectors, center console and uh, button switch vinyl wrap kits, just all kinds of stuff. You got to take a look. You can sort by car. So if you've got a Model 3, just sort by Model 3. If you've got a a Y, sort by Y, et cetera, et cetera. And use that discount code. And enjoy, because there's so much good stuff at abstractocean.com. How about budget-safe solar? Again, you know, every Tesla owner has a pretty good idea, if not knows exactly what the electricity costs of their Tesla is. But that's all just today knowledge. Nobody knows what how the rates are going to change, i.e. go up, in the next 5, 10, 15 years, except for solar users. If you've got solar, you know what you're paying. Zero. Zero for the electricity itself. Uh, So if you've been thinking about solar at your home, maybe at your office, uh, I want you to reach out, contact friend of the show, Budget Safe Solar. It's one of a loyal listener that runs this. BudgetSafeSolar.com. Their little motto, which I'm totally on board with, is capping tomorrow's energy costs today. And by the way, if you've considered entering the growing field of solar. They'd like to talk to you about that as well. So learn more, reach out, 
at budgetsafesolar.com. And if you're gonna proceed, if you end up proceeding with a solar installation, don't forget the referral code RTL. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? That's where you wanna go to get a bulletproof, not literally like the Cybertruck, but a figuratively bulletproof dash cam and sentry mode kit because it's micro SD based. So the memory format is designed for the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode use. 49 bucks will get you the 128 gigabyte kit. That's what I've got, but you can step up to a 256 gig kit for $69 if you like. Whatever you're gonna grab, it comes fully formatted out of the package, ready to go, plug and play right into your car. Works with Mac and PC when you take the when you want to take the the stick out and plug it into your computer to review any videos. And they ship free anywhere in the U.S. or for a modest fee uh, around the world. They also Pure Tesla also sells nice slim profile. A wireless, a wireless game controller kit if you do a lot of gaming in your Tesla. So again, puretesla.com slash RTL. Hey, Immaculate Reflections, that is who details my car. And boy, Jeff, the owner there, has done a brilliant job at keeping my car looking better than new at this point after f- almost four years and now 40,000 miles of ownership. And he can do the same for you. If you and your car are going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, reach out ahead of time because he does tend to book up in advance. Go to his website, irdetailing.com, and you can get in touch with Jeff there. If you do book a service, maybe you're going to do ceramic coating. Maybe you're going to do paint protection film on some or all of the car. Maybe you're going to do paint correction. Uh, Any of those services, if you book in with Immaculate Reflections, Just mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener. Mention it up front, and there will be a nice little discount waiting for you. So thank you to Immaculate Reflections for continuing to extend that generosity to the Ride the Lightning audience. And then there, as my friends at Jada, they have a whole nice line of wonderful Tesla accessories, pretty much all centered around the center console, as it were. So you can grab the USB hub console that is a storage organizer, USB hub, adding more USB ports, an Apple watch charger and an AirPod charger all in one. There's that product. There's the uh, Jada tray, which is just the center console organizer. I've got one of those in my 2018 Model 3. There's also the Jada wireless charging pad for the older Model 3s as well. Whichever uh, of those you want to buy, whether it's one or more products, Use the coupon code RTL, and there's a nice discount waiting for you, courtesy of Jada as well. All I ask in return for that coupon code is that you buy through my referral link, because full transparency, Jada will throw a few bucks my way off the sa- of, from your sale if you do purchase through my link. And that link is getjada.com slash ref slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. If you are not already following this podcast on your favorite podcast service or subscribing to it on your favorite podcast service, whatever terminology your favorite podcast service uses, please do so because that way you don't have to remember to go find the podcast every Sunday. It will automatically push out to you. 
You can follow slash subscribe on pretty much all the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or uh, I am on YouTube, just audio only, but if you do want to listen there, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and my channel should pull right up. You can subscribe right there. Finally, the Patreon. This is the part of the podcast where I mention my Patreon. That is the uh, fully, you know, voluntary way that you can choose to support the podcast uh, if you like. I hope at some point I will earn your your uh, support there because I do put a lot into this podcast, which I hope is obvious when you listen to it week in and week out. I mean, the, the week in and week out part is one of the things that I take a lot of pride in. I never miss a week or knock on wood. I, I have not missed a week, good health willing. Uh, and I think that's important. I think I've got to be here same day, same time, every week, like clockwork, 52 weeks a year, because that's what you should expect. That's what you deserve. If you're going to commit to listening to this show every week, and especially if you're going to commit to supporting me on Patreon, I've got to, you know, I've got to do my part. I've got to commit to you. So I'm doing my best to do that. And hopefully you can, you can, uh, hear the, the love and the enthusiasm and the research and the knowledge and the professionalism that goes into this place. I hope you feel that way. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you don't feel it's professional or, or good or informative, but I have a feeling if you, if that was your line of thinking, you wouldn't have made it this far. But in any case, uh, I'll get down to the point. If you see fit to support me, uh, Patreon is the way to do it. You can find more information about that on my Patreon page, which is located at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month. Uh, the rewards and perks stack as you go to try and, you know, for me to try and say thank you as you pledge more at the higher tiers. Uh, you can also do an annual pledge as well. If you'd rather pledge once for 12 months rather than 12 times uh, over the, you know, month to month, over 12 months, there's a little discount, a 5% discount waiting for you if you do the annual pledge. So again, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. You can email me anytime. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, and just for full transparency, uh, Twitter is mostly video game stuff with the with some Tesla thrown in. The Instagram is all Tesla all the time. I'm not as active on there. I post a few times a week, whereas Twitter, I'm on there uh, a lot Monday through Friday, and I, I for mentally for mental health, I have to stay away from it on the weekends. But anyway, uh, if you want to follow me on either of those, my handle, my username is the same on both. It's DMC underscore Ryan. And with that, before I go, let me just say thank you and hello to the Plaid Maximum Plaid and Roadster in Space Tier backers. I'll start with the Roadster in Space Tier crew. Thank you very much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Nydig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Ayacavetto, and Tesla Hitchhiker 42. As for the Maximum Plaid group, let me say hello to the newest Maximum Plaid backer, 
Zach Schwartz. Zach, thank you so much for your very generous pledge. I look forward to speaking with you at the monthly Zoom Hangouts, the Patreon Zoom Hangouts. In fact, the first one is happening this weekend, which I suppose if you're not backing me on Patreon will have already happened because it's happening on Saturday. Try to do those at the, you know, the, the first weekend of every month just out of a, a, a course of habit. So Zach, I hope uh, you will have, you'll be able to make that, but if not, maybe we'll catch you at the next one. But thank you for your pledge and thank you to the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew who I will hopefully see many of at the Zoom Hangout. Thanks to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, John Schmidt, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Sonar Tech 77, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, and Chris Osborne. Finally, the Maximum Plaid backers. Thank you very much to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, that's the wrong group. That's Maximum Plaid again. It's, <laughs> I'm caught in a time loop. The Plaid crew, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, uh, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado, B-A-E-R, Bear Boys. Thank you to, uh, thank you very much to all of you for generously supporting my efforts uh, of the, on the podcast through Patreon. And with that, I will bid you farewell for another week, but I will be back next week at the usual time, of course, as ever. This was Ride the Lightning episode 348 for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer. I am a still awake Ryan McCaffrey. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.